I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown for our weekend recap of the match day 23 weekend we've got something a little bit different this week i'm sam leverage but our usual co-hosts matt clark and rory barlow are away they're in barcelona for the the big game there so we've got tom harris standing in thanks for joining us tom hi sam thanks for having me on really looking forward to it today and um yeah we've got plenty to get stuck into so i think it's going to be a really great episode yeah what did you make of the the weekend's action yeah um typically you know really really good weekend again in la liga Obviously, the Barcelona game, probably where we're going to go first here from Matt and Rory was, was the standout game. But we've had, you know, drama at um, Sevilla. Couldn't quite um, close the gap at the top with Real Madrid. We've had Villarreal pulling off a fantastic result. Um, we've had, you know, a lot of drama in the uh, relegation fight as well. So, yeah, really, really exciting weekend. I look forward to getting stuck in. Plenty to cover. So let's start off with that. Then let's hand over to Matt and Rory who are in Barcelona. They're joined by Alan Fijeli. And so I've heard that in between being at bars with drum sets, and I've seen a few dodgy pictures of Matt Clark, but <laughs> in between they managed to find room to have a beer and, and discuss the action of a thrilling game. And here, let's start off just with some of the commentary from Jordi Alba's spectacular shin volley, which leveled the game up earlier. In this band of the right with Adama and Hermoso. Adama wanted to put Ferran Torres, still danger. For Dani Alves, he puts it for Jordi Alba de volea, tira! Gol, 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 Tremenda. No sé si quería prenderla de esta manera, pero le salió fenomenal. Con el exterior de la bota izquierda, la volea flojita por la escuadra izquierda de la portería de Oblak. Marca Jordi Alba. I'm here with Rui Barlow and Alan Feely, and we have had the fortune to watch an incredible game that came out today. We're just sitting in a terrace in Elborn district at the moment, having a beer, taking it all in after that incredible game. Rory, what were your thoughts to be there in person for that phenomenal match? Well, first of all, it was absolutely fantastic to be back at camp now. Um, I'm sure, as as you guys will attest to, I was pretty excited. Um, maybe perhaps letting my emotions get the better of me at times, especially <laughs> when Hilmanthano was uh, being the protagonist. But but yeah, it was fantastic to be back. It was great camp now on a on a big game, and it, the atmosphere wasn't stunning. It wasn't the best I've seen but it was it was great to see so many people back in camp now for a big big occasion like that and uh, yeah it was a fantastic match Alan what were your thoughts what were your takeaways 
It's a very interesting experience because it's my first time at Camp Nou as a spectator. I've been there before doing a tour and stuff. I'd never been in the ground watching a football match there. And it was a brilliant football match to watch. It was a party that, so there were a lot. Fantastic stuff, yeah. We, we absolutely loved it this afternoon. Uh, as for the game itself, it was so dramatic. I mean, Atleti took the lead very early on and then Barca responded really well. There was a, there was a fear that, oh, this could go flat very quickly. But Barca responded, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway for Barca from this is that although there were imperfections in their game and my words, watching them defend is a stressful experience if you're <laughs> persuaded one way or the other. But they came through the adversity in this match and I think especially in the first half they had a lot more pausa than they have had lately they managed to get on the ball and control the game for parts of it the second half they had to defend deep with a man less they were, did have a two goal advantage but they actually managed to keep Atleti and limit them to a few chances which, which was something different for Barca because I think even when we've seen bits of Xavi's style coming into the play we've seen tenets of the Barcelona game that he wants We've not quite seen them come up with the big moments, and they did that today. They they really did. And Alan, you mentioned Danny Alves. I I, I mean, I've, I've got to, yeah, I've got to give it up to him because in that first half, the way that he was trusted to essentially control the game, and he was the guy that was providing superiorities in the midfield for Barcelona and making sure that they had that control. He was all all over the pitch, and as you saw when he ended up scoring a goal. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really big match for Barcelona emotionally, I think. And uh, long, I think mean, I think if Xavi can find this and keep this kind of form going, then they'll they'll be in good stead for the rest of the season. Absolutely, Alan. It was a, a kind of frenetic experience, and uh, the whistles for a period of about three or four minutes in that second half were, were deafening. I personally, I've never heard it like that before uh, in any game I've been to. They were really getting behind the team and you know against the ref and trying to force the team to hold on. Um, do you think now that with this win, this solidifies their chances of getting fourth? And how do you see their season panning out? Yeah, I think it's very important because I think before this game, it was it had the potential to be a season-defining game for both Atletico and Barcelona. Because obviously Atletico were a point ahead of Barca. they just beaten uh, La Real 3-2, or Valencia, sorry, 3-2 yeah. uh, last weekend, or the weekend before the international break, in quite dramatic fashion. Um, so they were coming into a game in a high, you could argue. Similarly, Barca had played probably one of the worst games I've seen in recent times against Alaves. <laughs> beat the money with a late Frankie de Jong winner. Um, but the nature of that victory, that the turning these draws, that were draws at the beginning of the season yeah. into wins, was significant for me. And I think that whatever team won today, if there was a winner, was going to use this game as a springboard of sorts for the rest of the season. Because, you know, I think that given Real Betis's form and Okay, they're not doing too well at the moment, uh, losing to Villarreal. I think that it could genuinely be a straight uh, fight between Barcelona and Atletico for the top four of the season. And I think that based on today and based on the trajectory of each side and the way they're playing and performing, not just like, uh, earning results, I really back Barcelona above Atletico, to be honest. I think that it's imperative that they get top four of the season. I think they sanctioned the deal for Aubameyang and also for Adama and for Danny and for Ferran as well, with the idea of getting them into the Champions League this season, those goals coming quickly. And then in the summer, they can maybe take a step back and reevaluate how they're going to proceed in this project. But I think that for a team to be bonded with the support, and Xavi's team is a new team for sure, with the new faces, the new signings. You need days like this, you need evenings like this. It was the first game in Camp Nou in 50 days or something like that. Um, 75,000 people in attendance, a lovely sunny uh, Sunday evening in Barcelona. Sun setting as the game progressed. I think it was very, very valuable that this happened. 
obviously when the second goal came in when Luis Suarez got a goal back there was a bit of nerves and there was a bit of tension towards the end yeah. a couple of incidents with the referee Daniel was sent off Xavi Hernandez's brother was sent off as well um, so it was tense for sure and there was always danger that Barca could collapse if Atletico got a third goal but they held firm they showed a bit of metal they got the victory they needed and they're now looking very very good with a better head-to-head -head record against Atletico as well going into the final stretch of the season so you'd expect it was a very good day's work for Xavi and uh, his boys so you probably rounded up there, Alan. Quick word on Atleti, Rory. Um, I think uh, December 2012 was the last time they conceded four in La Liga. And yeah, again, we've said this many times this season, this is just doesn't seem like a churlist in any team, does it? No, and it's the complete lack of or clarity of purpose that I think we touched on. We, we mentioned this before the game, that Jose Maria Jimenez pointed this out against Valencia after the game in a really good interview where he said, yeah, this could be a point of inflection. It could be a... a turning point for us in our season after the Valencia game but only if we get a result today and although they did cause Barcelona some issues especially in the first half the the total lack of sort of, yeah, certainty in the defence you saw it with Jan Oblak there was a point where he sort of mm. controlled the ball on the goal line and they almost lost the ball lost the goal from from that very play where there's two defenders and the keeper there and none of them knew what to do with the ball and the, uh, the space that's available in their box at the minute is just absolutely crazy from coming from a side and a manager that we've seen sort of build uh, a European behemoth at times on a defence. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting times for them. And Alan, you touched on it um, off air, how maybe it's time for a change of cycle. Would you like to just uh, explore that thought a bit more? Yeah, well, first of all, I would never call for Simeone to get sacked because I think he's an absolute genius. And I mm. think he's, what he's done at Atletico is one of the most outstanding achievements of any football coach in uh, the 21st century, if not before that even. But I do think sometimes there's a reason that managers don't last 10 years in a job anymore. And it's nobody's fault. It's not Atletico. It's not Simeone. It's maybe sometimes you need a fresh voice and the vibe from the outside. I'm not a keen adverser of Atletico. I'm not, I don't live in Madrid. I don't follow them week by week. But I think that the atmosphere at the club at the moment isn't very good. It needs changing. The individual defenders aren't of the standard they were in the past. You have the likes of Luis Suarez, who's at the end of his career. Joao Felix is at the beginning of his, but it's not really taking off either. So there's a weird kind of, you know, halfway house in at the moment because they aren't playing the kind of cavalier, swashbuckling football that the signings they made would suggest they're trying to. But they're also not playing the kind of, you know, grinta, uh, deep defending, tough to beat. Uh, style of football that they became famous for either so they're kind of falling between two stools for me and um, at the moment it's kind of hard to imagine that they can turn this around in the next couple of years and embark on a new and exciting project because the way things are going at the moment it doesn't seem to be possible but I don't know like I said I never call for Simeone's head ever because I think he's a genius I think he's a phenomenal coach but I think sometimes maybe you do need to have a new start elsewhere for both for Atletico and for him as well Yeah some very interesting questions for Atleti as the season concludes um, big games in Europe of course coming up but we'll leave it there for now and I'll hand back to Sam thank you very much thanks to Matt Rory and Alan for that conversation there from Barcelona but let's move on to the rest of the action at the top of the table now so we have seen the gap open up at the top of La Liga it's six points now and that came after Real Madrid beat Granada 1-0 it wasn't pretty but they did get the win Tom, what did you make of that performance? I mean, obviously, without Karim Benzema, without Casemiro, without a few key players, they did manage to grind out the win. And Granada, not the toughest test, but, but Real Madrid needed that win after going out to Athletic in the Copa del Rey in midweek, right? 
yeah, they definitely needed that result. Um, we've seen with Real Madrid, obviously, they are six point clear at the top of the table, as you just said, but they have dropped points this season to the likes of Hitafe and Elche and Cadiz. So they do struggle against these kind of lower block teams and Granada coming today. I think they're a bit more positive than the likes of Cadiz, who went to Santiago Bernabeu and, you know, put, put 10 men behind the ball. But they're a similar kind of side that, you know, you'd expect them to be beating well. And, you know, Real Madrid did struggle in the end. Just about got through with that spectacular strike from Asensio. But yeah, I mean, I think that the the big, you know, talking point today was the obviously the absence of Vinicius Junior, the um, absence of Karim Benzema. And, you know, they ended up playing Isco as a kind of, well, kind of false nine, but not quite, you know, performing as perhaps Ancelotti envisioned him to. So, yeah, I mean, without those players, they did struggle. So I think as, you know, the season goes on, Sevilla, as we'll mention later on, have dropped points, so they have got a bit of a cushion. But it's, you know, vitally important that Vinicius Jr. and, and Karim Benzema keep fit because without them, as we've just seen today, they do look a lot less powerful up front. But, yeah, really important result in the end. Yeah, and obviously in midweek, chasing a result, and Gareth Bale and Hazard and Luka Jovic all stayed on the bench. On Sunday night, the same thing again. Gareth Bale stayed on the bench, but Luka Jovic and Eden Hazard did come on as subs before the goal was scored. So while the score was still nil-nil, I mean, why do you think it is that Ancelotti is just so unconvinced by those three attackers? I mean, they're worth 263 million euros in transfer fees. I mean, why are they not being given more opportunities in in the absence of Benzema and Vinicius? Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? If you, if you think of all the hype when Gareth Bale was signed, you know, it was a couple of years after Ronaldo had been signed for a similar kind of price. Everyone, obviously, the way he was playing at Tottenham just before he moved to Real Madrid, everyone thought he was going to be kind of, you know, Ronaldo's, you know, heir, but it's just not worked out like that at all. Um, I think, you know, if Hazard and Bale, that, you know, they've not had a lot of game time, I think it probably was a sensible decision tonight to go with Rodrigo and Asensio. I, I just find it baffling that Yuka, Luka Jovic is, is, isn't getting any game time, you know, when they literally don't have another striker available. As I just mentioned, they were playing Isco up front and he didn't seem to, you know, really know what he was, a bit harsh to say he didn't know what he was doing, but he didn't seem to play the false nine role, you know, as as was expected. And Luka Jovic, you know, when he came in, he, he got he got the um, the winner against Real Sociedad when Karim Benzema had his little injury. So I thought he might have had a chance tonight, but no. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it really is incredible. I, th I think the main thing, yeah, with Hazard and Bale is probably just down to injuries and um, kind of match fitness. But I'm very surprised that he didn't utilise Luka Jovic today. Yeah, and over in Pamplona, a 0-0 draw on Saturday night, which means that this gap could open up to six points. I mean, Sevilla haven't been great of late, but is this the end of their title challenge or can they still claw things back? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think it's an issue of clawing things back now for Sevilla. I think you know they can they can win all they want, but I just think Real Madrid are just going to just carry on grinding out these results as they did today. Um, but yeah, I mean, El Sadar is is you know historically a very difficult place to go, but Osasuna weren't in the best form. They only had two wins in the last thirteen games going into this game, so it was a really big opportunity. And that penalty miss from Jovan Rakitic right at the death is you know is going to be really really bitter pill to take for Sevilla. Um, they dominated possession, but you know they just didn't create enough chances, enough clear-cut chances. Um, so I think it was a really, really big opportunity missed. Um, and yeah, I can't see Sevilla, um, you know, getting back into this title race now, but at least, you know, they've not finished um, in the top two in La Liga for well over 50 years. So it would be a great achievement if they could finish second. But as long as they hang about, I think they'll be relatively happy with this season, how the season's gone. Yeah, so let's move on and take a look at the, the race for the European spots, the top four and the, the top six, of course. 
And so one of the, the teams lower down, Rayo Vallecano, went to Vigo to face Celta, and Celta won 2-0 in that one. Valencia then hosted Real Sociedad in the 0-0 draw, which was which was a hard-fought tie. And then one which you enjoyed in particular, Tom, was a, a 2-0 win for Villarreal against Betis. I mean, how impressive were Villarreal? I mean, Betis, of course, have won the, the last three games by scoring four goals. So to then fail to score at home against Villarreal is, is some change. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant from Villarreal. It was really well organised, really well disciplined. And I think it kind of sums Villarreal up that the two away wins that they've had all season were away to Real Sociedad and Real Betis, you know, two of the hardest places to go in La Liga. And those were the two games that they somehow managed to win. Um, but yeah, it was very, very impressive. Um, I think, you know, if you look at the form that front four have been in for Real Betis, they really limited them to not very much. Canales just couldn't really get into the game. Fekir was struggling as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only downside to that result was Gerard Moreno going off because, you know, it looked fairly innocuous. Nothing really seemed to happen to him. But when he was on the bench, he looked very, very upset, kind of throwing his boots onto the ground. Um, but yeah, it's generally, it's looking quite good. We've got Real Madrid coming up next in La Ceramica, but then a run of games that we're expected to win. So hopefully we can maintain that European push. And just one quick last word before we head into a quick break. Tom, I mean, Real Sociedad, they've gone three games without a goal for the first time under Emmanuel Aguatil, for the first time since October 2018 was the last time that they had that. And they've only got one win in their last 10 in La Liga. I mean, they're currently sitting in seventh, level on points with Villarreal, and only one point behind Atletico Madrid. But do you think they might fade away? I mean, they've got Athletic Club and Rayo not far behind them. Could one of those teams catch them? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure what's happened to Real Sociedad because, you know, as we kind of said, you know, similar to last season, they started so, so well. And we were saying, oh, because they may be, you know, mount a title charge, but obviously it just fades away to nothing. Uh, the, the main problem has been goal scoring. I think Oyar Thaba was kind of the man they relied on and he's not got a goal in quite, quite a while now. I can't see them fading below Athletic Club and Rayo Vallecano. I think Rayo are going to start to struggle a bit now. You know, they've had their kind of purple patch. Um, so I think they'll be okay in that regard, but yeah, really disappointing. And you know, they really need this win against. You know, they've got a home game against Granada next weekend, just before the Bas derby, away at San Mamés. So it's really important, I think, that they win this game just to make sure the wheels don't completely fall off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as you say, they were looking at a potential title challenge earlier on, and now they're close to the relegation zone, and they are to, to Real Madrid at the top of La Liga. La Liga. So let's head into a quick break then. Just bear with us, and then we will be back to discuss the relegation battle with some big and controversial fixtures there this weekend. So stay tuned. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to our Match Day 23 podcast, looking at all of the action across the whole length of the La Liga table. We've covered the top half, but what about the bottom half? The, the bottom six all met and faced each other this weekend, starting on Friday night as Hetafe faced Levante. Tom, a big win for Hetafe, 3-0. I mean, how impressive were Hetafe in that game? Yeah, I mean, I went into this weekend kind of thinking that, you know, if all the home sides win, as as they ended up doing, that we might already kind of know who's who's staying up and who's going down. Hitafe more than more than the other two teams because they already had a bit of a gap after what Kiki Sanchez Flores has done in the last couple of weeks. And now seven points clear. Um, and as we mentioned in our um transfer window review spaces the other week, we've they've recruited really well. Um and yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is that under Jose Bordelas, um, Getafe was a horrible place to go and play and it's starting to become that again under Kike Sanchez Flores which I think is a really really positive thing for them you see they've, they've won their last four in a row there now at the Coliseum including against Real Madrid they've got six wins in a draw in their last seven so yeah I was really impressed I was also really impressed by the depth as well because Borja Mayoral came on towards the end and assisted that goal with a really really nice run so I think they've got depth they've got a bit of momentum and I think in Kike Sanchez Flores they've got a manager who's really starting to stamp his authority on on this side so yeah looking really good for them Levante on the other hand you know we've been saying it for a while now I think this was the final nail in the coffin unfortunately so yeah 16 games left in this season but they're already 12 points adrift from from safety are they down already yeah unfortunately I think they are um again as we mentioned in that Twitter spaces it was you know they needed a big signing they needed somebody to to really, you know, shake it up. And they only brought in Martin Casares, who I just don't think is enough. Um, and yeah, if you look at the difference, like I just said, Getafe bringing on Mayaral, bringing on Oscar Rodriguez, who could Levante really bring on when they were in a situation where they needed somebody? So yeah, I think, you know, they've not had the form, they've not had the consistency. And, you know, I think unfortunately that was the final nail in the coffin. So let's move on to another one of the big games and one of the results which surprised me a little bit, which was Mallorca to Cadiz 1. Two penalties for Mallorca, both of them pretty controversial. And Cadiz's president sent out a statement to, to Luis Rubiales asking him to sort it out. And his son was also in the tunnel and he was dismissed by the referee for, for telling him that he was shameless. I mean, what did you make of the two penalties? The first one for a pull on the arm, the second one for Ledesma, the goalkeeper, coming out and, and clattering someone as he clicked the ball. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to you know agree with the Cadiz president and that one, maybe not as strong strongly as he put it 
But I do think that both the penalties were really soft. I think the first one, you know, it is a pullback. There is contact, but it does go down very, very easily for me. It's more the second one that I have a problem with because it just isn't a penalty at all, in my opinion. Um, obviously, there's a lot of contact. Um, Ledesma does kind of collide with the player, but he goes up to punch a ball and, and he punches it. You know, he wins the ball. And so, yeah, if he misses it and then clatters the player, then fair enough. But, you know, he has to come out in that situation. He has to try and claim the ball and he has done it. So for me, yeah, that's not a penalty at all. I mean, I don't know what you think about those two issues. Yeah, no, I thought they were both very soft and... And I think especially the first one, it's the kind of foul that you see given on the halfway line, but you don't often get to see given for a penalty. So I think it's kind of similar in both of those cases and that anywhere else on the pitch, you wouldn't complain about it being a free kick. So you can't complain too much about it being a penalty, but I can understand why Cali would feel, feel hard done by. But I mean, for Mallorca, this was their first win since the game at the Wanda Metropolitana when they beat Atleti in December. I mean, do you think this is what they need to turn things around and kind of push on and stay up? Because they aren't in the bottom three yet, but they've been drifting closer and closer. Yeah, no, it's absolutely huge because they've not won at home in what feels like an age. And finally, they've got that win. Obviously, they've got it over a direct, you know, relegation candidate as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was really impressed by uh, Moriki, who came in for his debut. Obviously, he joined the club from uh, Lazio. And, you know, we kind of knew that he, he wasn't going to be the best on the ball. He wasn't going to, you know play brilliant football but his stats from the game you know kind of reflect that you know while he's not going to be playing these passes he's just incredibly effective um so he contested 22 aerial duels in that game of 115 which is the most of any La Liga player this season in his first game and you know he was he was literally throwing defenders to one side you know at a certain point so I think he could really make a big difference down there he gives them something of a focal point to aim at but yeah that's you know that result has kind of put a bit of a gap between them and Cadiz so I think there is a chance now that Mallorca stay up, but you know they do need to start stringing together some some victories because, as we just said, they're not consistent enough at all at this level, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah, and of course, Mariki, the first Kosovan goal scorer in La Liga history as well. So, so a big landmark moment there. Um, so just kind of speaking about goal scorers, um, Alaves, Oselu, obviously, is their leading man who scores, it seems like, all of their goals. But there was a little bit of controversy in their game against Elche because Jose Luis Mendelibar took him off with the score level at 1-1. Obviously, Elche then went on to win 3-1. What did you make of that decision and Mendelibar's management of that game? Yeah, obviously, it's an interesting decision because, as you just said, Jose Luis, I mean, he has 11 of their 17 La Liga goals this season. So that's, that's a ridiculous amount of goals to be scoring. Um, and the second highest goal scorer in that team is Victor Laguardia with two, who's a centre-back. So they definitely have a problem up front. And Hoselu is a man who is grabbing all the goals. So it was an interesting decision. Um, you were saying before we, we went on air that, you know, there's people that are, are close to Alaves who are calling for Mendelibar's out, which I think is an interesting take, simply because I don't know who they go for at this point if, if they do get rid of Mendelibar. Obviously, he has La Liga experience. He kept Debar up in, in, you know, in Primera for six or seven seasons, I think it was. So he is, you know, while results haven't been brilliant of late, I think he is, you know, the man that... They, and they, they just need consistency at the moment. And I don't think changing it around now at this late stage is going to help them at all. Um, so, yeah, they, they, you know, it was a big game to lose against Elche. Um, they really, really need to rally around Mendelibar now. And, yeah, as you said, interesting decision, but... I think, you know, there were other problems in that game, apart from Hozelu, which ultimately lost in the game. Yeah, well, I mean, his first five games haven't been easy. I've played two points from those five games, but they were up against Real Sociedad Athletic Club 
Real Betis and Barcelona. So, I mean, it's hard to ask for too much for, from Mendy Libre in that one. But then, obviously, this defeat to, to Elche has been a big blow. And we spoke to Keith Farnan about the, the Elche side of things and, and how big a win that was for Francisco and his team. So let's tune into that after a little bit of the commentary from Pere Milla's first goal of the game. Oh, 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 oh. Es un puñal por banda izquierda. ¿Cómo llegó? ¿Cómo le dio tiempo a levantar la cabeza? Y en vez de centrarla, el pase raseado a la frontal para que Pere Milla buscando el... And so I'm joined by Keith Farnan, an Elche fan who's here to discuss the game with us. Keith, a big win for Elche after going behind. I mean, how do you feel after that one? Yeah, um, I, think, I think it was an incredible result for us. Uh, particularly, we've had a couple of decent results in, in the past few weeks. And obviously, we've had those really tight games with Real Madrid and all that kind of thing. But Alaves at home, it's a real, it's a game you need to win because losing to a Real Madrid or a Villarreal is, it will hurt you in not getting the points, but it, it won't hurt you as in they'll be gaining ground in you. Whereas if, if we had to lose to Alaves, well, they'd be a lot closer to us, you know. It's yeah, a it's a case of, it's a case of pushing us away from them. Which yeah, is and that the start as well. The start with the goal disallowed inside thirty seconds, and Alaves going and scoring to make it one 0 I mean, were you fearing the worst at that point? I'll be completely honest. For the longest time, I I have felt when those kind of things have happened that it was it was inevitable we were going to break down. Like the goal being disallowed, I, I think it, it was probably a fair enough decision. You know, I, I don't think it was intentional, but it, it's a fair enough decision. It's a foul. And then such an awful goal to concede just several defensive lapses. And it's just, uh, it's just a case of when that has happened in the past, it has always, particularly in the last, in the last maybe six months, has really just kind of deflated the team. But I just felt even after the goal, we just kept plugging away and plugging away. And it always kind of felt like a case of when we were going to equalise rather than if. And obviously, just straight after halftime, we, we did get that goal. Yeah, and obviously the last six games puts Elche sixth in the form table. I mean, Francisco has really turned things around. I mean, what kind of impact has he had since his arrival? Yeah, well, look, I, I've I've been on this podcast many times and people will know me for my love of Franis Kriba. Um, honestly, he's, as I say, he's, he's incredible. The stuff he's done for his club is amazing. Um, I was a wee bit sceptical about him leaving, but I kind of think it, it had to be done. But I, I was, I will freely admit, I, I was I was quite worried about what was going to happen. And, you know, is Francisco going to get, get us going again? And if he didn't, we would have been in quite a lot of trouble. And I know... A lot of people will talk about what Kike Sanchez Flores has done at Hitafa. I, I think Francisco's doing maybe not as good a job, but I think definitely close to because the the squad that we've got, realistically, I I genuinely don't know anyone, bar Elche fans and maybe one or two people who would be considered just hipsters, predicted us not to go down. <laughs> you know, it's you know it's crazy what is actually 
being done with the squad at Francisco's disposal. And I, I think he, he's just he's just made an incredible, incredible um impact. Yeah, I think almost all of the La Liga Lowdown squad predicted Elche relegation at the start of the season. So a pleasant <laughs> surprise for you, at least if they don't. And I mean, one of the players who's been able to get the most out of has been Pere Mi, obviously, two goals against Alaves, and that's six in his last six. And the last six goals he scored came across 59 games. So quite some pick up in form there. I mean, how impressed were you by him at the weekend and also across the last few weeks where he's had some some big goals? Well, I think Peramir, always within our fan base, will be remembered for that. Absolutely. Just mind-boggling goal that sent us up in the last seconds against Girona. That was that was crazy and all that. But I think I think actually before this, his best ever return, definitely for Elche, was only seven goals. And that was in Segunda Division. And to do it, he's now got seven in La Liga. And he's just, he's always been a player who works hard, has a bit of technical ability, but he, he doesn't have that end product. Whereas Francisco's come in and the role he's playing him in is slightly higher up the pitch, allows him to get a lot closer to whoever's playing up top, Lucas Boyer or Guido Carrillo, nearly as a second striker playing off them. And uh, he's absolutely thriving in it. And uh, long may it continue because he is a quality player. And, He's definitely someone who's very much loved in our fan base. So the, the big question now for you, Keith. Eight points clear of the bottom of three at the moment. Are Elche going to stay up? Um, well, I said at the start of the season we would uh, stay up comfortably. Um, I think that's a very biased opinion. It still is a biased opinion. But uh, I can never I can never be too sure with the club. But I, I'm, I'm really optimistic at the minute. I really am. Um, we've got a lot of tough fixtures out of the way. Um, you know, we've played Real Madrid twice. I think we've played Villarreal twice. Um, and in in the next couple of weeks, I know we have Sevilla soon. I think it's our next game, and we have Barcelona soon. So, you know, I think there's a strong end to the season possible there for us. And if we can keep up this incredible form, then. I see no reason why we can't be out of that relegation battle in just a month, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, seven points from the last three, including Villarreal and Real Madrid, isn't a bad one at all. And and then Sevilla and Barcelona both coming up in the next four. So, big few weeks for, for Elche, but fingers crossed we'll be celebrating survival next time we speak, Keith. <laughs> Absolutely. So now moving on to our most valuable player, our MVP of the weekend. Tom, we've got four nominees to select. Who's your first pick? Uh, yeah, so the first player I've gone for is uh, Enes Unal, um, Hetafe's Turkish striker. Um, he scored here a brace on the weekend. He, that uh, took him up to nine goals for the season. And all nine of those goals have actually come under Kika Sanchez-Flores. So that's now nine goals in just under 12 full 90 minutes of football. So it's very, very impressive from them. And his goals against Levante really showed him at his kind of powerful best. I mean, the first goal was an emphatic header from a corner. And then his second was a great turn on the edge of a box and then a really nice finish into the bottom corner. So, yeah, really impressive performance. And, and it's easy to forget that he's only 24 years old, so there's plenty of time for him to improve. I think as Hetafe's attacking play gets better, as I believe it will with the additions of Mayoral and Rodriguez, I think he's going to get more chances and score more goals. So, yeah, really encouraging from Unal. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he links up with Mayoral in particular as the season goes on. Yeah, so I'm going to go for for another guy who got two goals this weekend. So we already touched on it with Keith earlier on, but 
Fede Mia was fantastic. And I mean, he's been the man for the big occasion. And like you said, he's so famous for that goal that sent Elche up into Primera in the playoffs from Segunda. And these two goals, again, were potentially just as important to kind of distance Elche from the relegation battle and, and hopefully secure their status in, in the top flight for another season. So his recent run of form combined with this performance where he's just so clinical. I mean, the first goal in particular was superbly taken. And I think he's... He's proving to be such a big player for, for Elgin, especially with Lucas Perez moving on. He's never quite hit the heights that they were hoping for, but Perez Mia stepped up in, in the absence of, of the goal scorer. So he's a big player. What about you, Tom? What's your, your second choice? Uh, yeah, my second choice, I'm going to have to go for someone from that Barcelona Atleti game, just because it was such a fantastic game. And obviously Barcelona were, were brilliant on the day. Uh, and I'm going to go for Dani Alves, kind of despite that horrific challenge at the end, which um, deserved a red card and really, really kind of spoiled the performance. But um, yeah, I mean, he scored a brilliant goal. It was a really true strike from the edge of the area. A nicely picked out cross for um, for Jordi Alba's goal. Um, and yeah, it's just incredible that he, he managed to you know perform like that at the age of 38. You might have seen on La Liga lowdown, that was 10 years after his last goal against Atleti on the 26th of February in 2012. So it's incredible longevity. Incredible that he's still doing what he's doing at the age of 38. And yeah, as I said, all spoiled by that kind of ugly challenge at the end, but it was a really, really impressive performance from Dani Alves, I thought. Yeah, I saw a friend Dan Hilton from the Barcelona podcast said that he was on fire in every sense of the word. <laughs> and I guess that's kind of the perfect description of that Dani Alves performance and, and his iconic celebration as well. Mm. So for my final pick, I'm going to go for Sergio Herrera. I'm sure we're going to touch on him again in a minute when it comes to moment of the week, but that penalty save, right at the very death with, what, 30 seconds left on the clock. Kept the point for Osasuna up against Sevilla and they've struggled for, for points at times, especially at home lately. So to pick up a result against a team like Sevilla and, and Herrera was at the heart of that. I mean, I think he made four saves all within the box. 1.44 expected goals that he denied. So I think he can be really proud of his performance and, and Osasuna have lost a little bit of that defensive strength this season, but Herrera has stepped up and kind of been the guy who's always there to to save them when they need it. And against Sevilla, he did that again. I think he's got to be one of the, the most underrated goalkeepers in La Liga this season because time and time again, he pops up and, and produces a magnificent display like that one. And so there's our four. So we've got Sergio Herrera, Enes Unal, Dani Alves and Pere Milla. Keep an eye on La Liga Lowdown on Twitter to make sure you get your votes in and, and cast your vote for the MVP for this week. So now, Tom... Let's move on to our moment of the week to finish up. What was your moment of the week? Uh, yeah, I mean, probably a bit biased um, as I, you know, come from a bit of a Villarreal persuasion, but I'm going to go for um, Etienne Capu's goal against Real Betis to seal the three points of Benito Villanueva. Um, you know, as we said earlier, um, it's just an incredible result for Villarreal, you know, the form that Betis were in. Um, and, you know, also with Real Sociedad, Atletico Madrid all dropping points, obviously Betis as well because of this game. It really drags them back into the top six race and, you know, maybe even a top four race if uh, the, the end of the season goes well. But it was a really, really excellent goal to cap off a fine display. Really nice finish. He just opens his body up and side foots into a top corner. And yeah, I mean, what a signing he's turned out to be. He's a 32-year-old midfielder for around 2 million euros. He wasn't expected to come in and kind of play as well as he has, but he's been absolutely brilliant since day one. So yeah, I'm going to go for that for Etienne Kabul. Great. Well, I'm going to have to to overrule you, I think, because mm-hmm. so, I know you have your, your Villarreal love, but I think for me, the most important moment of the weekend was Sergio Herrera's penalty stop against Sevilla. I mean, it means that Sevilla are now six points off Real Madrid. 
which there's 16 games to go. A lot can happen in that time, but that feels like a big gap with the way Real Madrid are playing and, and grinding out results, even missing players like Karim Benzema, Casemiro and so on. And you just wonder how Sevilla bounced back from that. I mean, the results of late haven't been that great. Obviously, they've been missing some key players. Julian Lopetegui was, was out with COVID, but he's back now. But Sevilla just seemed to be falling apart a little bit. And that penalty save could have been a turning point. I mean, it reminded me a lot of the Atletico-Elche game towards the end of last season where Jan Black made that last gas penalty save. And that was what kind of kicked Atleti on to win the title. You wonder if this time it's the opposite. There's a penalty save, which ends Sevilla's title hope. So I think in terms of the importance for the season, that's what we have to go out on. So thank you very much, Tom, for, for joining us and standing in this week. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And so let's listen to that commentary from that last Garth action on Saturday night to see us out. Make sure you stay tuned to La Liga Lowdown for all the coverage of the Copa del Rey semi-final first legs coming up soon and all the action ahead of next weekend. Nada, según el, el añadido, medio minuto, pero tiene que añadir. Claro. Señoras y señores, descuento del partido. Un penalti que vale una pelea por la Liga. Herrera entre palos. Rakitic detrás de la pelota. Pues Sevilla a por la Liga. Rakitic. ¡Lo ha parado Herrera! ¡Rechaza el Papu! ¡Lo ha parado Herrera! ¡Hala tú! ¡Doble parada del portero de Osasuna! ¿Para dónde Herrera el penalti de Rakitic y el rechazo en la cabeza del Papo? Paradón. A lo mejor no va muy ajustado, pero va fuerte pegado. Bueno, no va muy pegado el Papo. Una zona parable. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 